This is David Wheaton. The following is a TCW short take, a bite-sized highlight from the Christian Worldview radio program. You can hear the full program at thechristianworldview.org. Do you think there's a growing sense of skepticism, resignation, even cynicism that Americans can't count on equal justice under the law for all citizens in our society now? I do believe that that has happened. There was a time when the judiciary was viewed as a neutral and separate branch. It's supposed to be the the non-political umpire, so to, so to speak, the baseball analogy. They call balls and strikes. They're not putting on uniforms <laughs> and pitching or batting. It's become that. And I believe this is an inevitable consequence of what the prophet Isaiah articulates in Isaiah chapter 59 as truth having fallen in the street. Ultimately, we know scripturally truth is a person. But when objective truth, which is connected to morality, and the scripture teaches as well that love requires truth, when we as a society reject truth outright, what inevitably occurs is corruption in the society through and through. And that corruption even infiltrates our systems of justice. As Isaiah says in Isaiah 59, truth has fallen in the streets. The next consequence, justice has turned backwards and uprightness cannot enter. The way that Isaiah articulates that, it shows that the downstream consequences of a society that rejects objective truth is that then there is nothing left but subjectivity. So then when you have a country like ours, I know many people like to describe it as a democracy, but we have a constitutional republic with democratic features. When you have no longer an adherence to objective truth, everything becomes subjective, then that subjectivity is manifested in those who are entrusted with various iterations of civic power. They employ that power for their own personal objectives or to advance the objectives of their particular sides. And so that's what I think we're witnessing that now it started at smaller scales, but the the corruption has infiltrated so much so in our society that it's now filtered all the way into the halls that should be the halls of justice, but they've become the halls of injustice. Hence your description of our nation, which has resulted in the types of skepticism that would cause people to descend upon Washington, D.C. on January 6th. People like to talk about what happened in the riot at the Capitol building, but people don't want to talk about what transpired that led to this. I will never forget, right after the 2020 elections, when South Dakota Governor Christy Nome was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos, and George Stephanopoulos said, categorically, unequivocally, there's no fraud in this elections. Governor Christy Nome then began to tick off several instances of what could rightly be described as fraud and election irregularities and violations of the U.S. Constitution and the administration of the government of the federal election, which on a moment's notice, on a dime, George Stephanopoulos turns and then says, well, there's no evidence of widespread fraud. And I remember (laughs) thinking, wait a minute, are you admitting tacitly that there is fraud? You're parsing your statement by saying, well, it's not widespread. My question is, how do you know? That's right. And you see that even in the indictments, the Georgia indictment, the federal election indictment from Jack Smith. They consistently said that there's not widespread fraud or outcome determinative fraud. Well, my immediate response is, so are you admitting that there was some fraud? And if there was some, how much was there? And how do we know what is the the Rubicon? What is the dividing line to determine what is outcome determinative and what is not? Because the issue is, and I do think that Mr. Trump had a little bit of undisciplined concerning messaging, because I don't think he needed to say fraud 
I think the articulation should be election irregularities and elections and violations of the U.S. Constitution, because there's no doubt about it. You have places like Michigan where you had the law in Michigan says that in order for someone to receive an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot, they have to ask for it. Well, all over the state of Michigan, you have people that receive mail-in ballots, many of them after they had voted in person. That's evidence of an election irregularity that could have an impact. You know, you have other states where you had, like North Carolina, the time, manner, and place of the election was changed without the legislature's approval. Well, the law says, the U.S. Constitution and North Carolina's Constitution says that the state legislature alone has the authority to determine time, manner, and place. So if you have an election in the state where the courts are the ones who change time, manner, and place, is that not an election irregularity? These are things that transpired. And so what has happened, you have people that cannot outright say there was no irregularities, there were no violations of state law, there was no fraud at all, but they tried to hedge that statement by saying, well, it's not widespread. My question is if we have a constitutional republic with democratic features where the franchise for the vote is so important, are we interested in finding out just how widespread fraud is? How consistent is it? How determinative is it at a minimum to try to prevent these things from being repeated in subsequent elections? Or are we so committed to our partisan affiliations that we don't really care about what transpired in previous elections as long as our guy is the one who occupies the Oval Office? This has been a short take from the Christian Worldview radio program. To hear the full program and connect with this nonprofit radio ministry, go to thechristianworldview.org. I'm David Wheaton.